Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad here. Uh, and I think, Haley, if it's okay with you, can I officially yeah. announce you, yes. Dr. Haley Roberts, as um, the new co-host of Pop Psych 101? Yay! Yes, please do. Fantastic. Well, then joining me uh, today is my co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Haley, thank Hello. you for becoming a co-host of the show. Thank you for letting me be a co-host on the show. <laughs> My pleasure. It's uh, I'm really excited about it. Um, not that I don't love carrying the uh, therapy load of the conversations. I'm happy to share that, but but also I just I'm, I'm looking forward to to your perspective. And and we've already recorded one episode that people hear and and how mm-hmm. um, you have a lot of expertise that you can share, which I appreciate. And yeah, I'm just really looking forward to um, doing some new stuff. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to jump into this in a playful way and be able to use my expertise um, in a way that lets people talk about this kind of stuff in a in a more day to day kind of way. Absolutely, I and I appreciate that because um, as we go into what we're going to call season three, as we've mm-hmm. like retroactively changed all our episodes, um, season three of Pop Psych One Hundred One. Um, this will be sort of our new normal going forward. So we're hoping to post episodes once a week moving forward on, um, it's honestly the same topics. A lot of the same topics we're going to be talking about pop culture, movies, TV, and we'll throw other stuff in there. I'm sure. Um, although this today's episode is actually the third TV show or series in a row, um, which I'm very excited about. We're going to be talking about WandaVision. Ooh. Because that's what everybody's talking about. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the topic of the moment. Yes. But before we do that, um, you know, the CDC came out today with its recommendations for people who have been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And it's very exciting because it's starting to feel more and more like something that um, we can sort of see. I won't say the light at the end of the tunnel, but like some sense of normalcy, which is the word that everybody's throwing around. Yeah. I, I like uh, some sense of normalcy more than the phrase a new normal that we had to get used to last year. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> so what I wanted to get a sense from you, you know, vaccine uh-huh. or not, is, you know, what is one or two of the things that you're most looking forward to in um, the some semblance of normalcy that we're getting into as we yeah. approach the spring and summer of 2021? Yeah. Um quick shout out semblance of normalcy is a um a comedy album by adam kate and holland and it's hilarious so check it out came out last year um but what i'm most looking forward to um in line with kind of that shout out is uh live comedy like i cannot wait to get back to watching shows live um i've enjoyed the zoom shows it gives you new access to a lot of the comics but um, I just want to sit in a dark room and listen to people on stage talk at me. Um, <laughs> I just can't wait for it. Um, and then also I'm a competitive ultimate Frisbee player. Um, and I have not been able to play ultimate since, since January of last year. And I cannot wait to get back on that field. Um, how about you? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, so I I, I definitely echo the live comedy. Um, I actually just got out of um, improv workshop and we're all super burnt out on Zoom. Yeah. Um, shout out Death by Improv, my improv yeah. troupe. Um, and I think it's like the feeling of laughter in a room that you're in. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. similar to yourself, have attended a couple of Zoom stand-up comedy shows. And the people who have been able to incorporate the audience live um, has been really nice. Just hearing mm-hmm. laughter um, is its own special kind of joy. Yes. Um, but for me, and it's and this is I felt this today. 
Um, I took my daughter to a uh, a park, um, a playground, which is um, great fun. She loves playgrounds, but she loves new playgrounds. So she almost always asks to go to a new one, ah. um, which over the past year has been hard to have to constantly replicate. Um, <laughs> so the thing I'm looking forward to is just like indoor spaces that we can return to. Uh-huh. Um, so for my daughter, that's like the places that have, uh, you know, um, what are those crazy like indoor gymnasiums? Yeah. Um, she wants to go back to Chuck E. Cheese, which I'm like, you know, obviously has a reputation as one of the most German infested places, but <laughs> I, I will suck it up and go to Chuck E. Cheese if it's deemed appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like that kind of stuff where I don't have to find a playground that's a 45 minute drive away. Yeah. I can just go to one of the many places uh, indoors that yeah. uh, are appropriate once again. <laughs> you never thought that you would be begging to hang out with an animatronic mouse, did you? Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> I know, not in a million years, but Especially I that one is so creepy. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, it, uh, we drive by a Truck E. Cheese on the way to Target when we like get groceries and stuff, uh-huh. and I look longingly at that building. It's like, there's going to be a day sometime soon where it's okay to go there and I will be okay going there. Oh, and it's it's going to happen. Oh, nothing quite like crappy pizza. Yeah. And you know what? It, it It's going to taste good. I have a feeling like the oh, first yeah. time back, like I'll take a little bit of joy in it. But yeah, it's going to taste like freedom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it's those little things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think as we, you know, transition into today's episode, it's those little things of normalcy that, that Mm -hmm. we're all looking for as we, um, cope with, uh, the losses we've all experienced in in big and small ways over the past year. So what a segue. um, Thank you. So (laughs) should we just say on to WandaVision after this break? Hey everyone, Ryan here. No ad this week, but a quick request. We would love to know where you follow us. So if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds while you're listening to today's episode, reach out to us on your social media of choice. Say hi, say what's up, request an episode topic. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the episode. WandaVision is an American television miniseries created by Jack Schaefer for the streaming series Disney Plus based on the Marvel Comics characters Wanda Maximoff The Scarlet Witch, and Vision. Set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it shares continuity with the films of the franchise and takes place after the events of the film Avengers Endgame. WandaVision is produced by Marvel Studios, with Schaefer serving as head writer and Matt Shackman directing. So, Haley, um, I'm going to blow up your spot a little bit. You were not in on WandaVision. I was not. Until very recently. If I blow up my own spot even more... uh, the Marvel franchise became such an investment that I actually completely stopped watching them with um, Black Panther. Okay. So you hadn't <laughs> seen Avengers Endgame, which directly leads into WandaVision. Is that no, fair to say? Okay. I did have a friend one time on a road trip literally describe plot point by plot point everything that happened in all of the movies from Black Panther until Endgame. Um, and then jumping into WandaVision, I had another friend be like, clarify again to me who disappeared and who didn't disappear and who died and who didn't die. And then I was ready to go. <laughs> okay. So now you've seen it all. The Obviously uh-huh. the season uh, season finale or possibly series finale, we don't know if it's going to get another run or not, yeah. um, was this past Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so speaking to my own experience with this, you know, you started hearing about this show that was going to be the first Disney Plus Marvel show and it just sounded so bizarre, you know, uh-huh. oh, it's going to be, you know, a short series. And, you know, the first trailer was like these different scenes from different mm-hmm. like uh, television inspired uh, episodes. And you're like, what is this? This is yeah. this sounds like such a mess. Uh-huh. Um, and then the first episode and you're immediately hooked in. So we are not yes. going to recap the whole series, but we have a lot of. I think questions and thoughts for us to talk about today, because obviously the big central issue is grief, right? So (laughs) I think we can all um, agree on that. Right. So it's, it's, that's, that shouldn't be a surprise. And we're (laughs) going to delve into a little bit more of the details with that. So I actually read an interview with uh, Jacques Schaefer um, Mm -hmm. 
And she talks about how she did actually uh, sort of plot out the series around um, what's commonly known as the stages of grief. And yeah. depending on what you read, five stages, seven stages, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are some common points that she was trying to hit through the series. And I'd love to, you know, as we kind of start a conversation today, you know, we can introduce the, st- the stages of grief. I, I think that there's some problems and sort of how yeah. it's like, uh, it is a tr- its own trope at this yep. point. Uh-huh. Yeah. And also the way um, it's spoken about in general. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And and it's, it's funny. Um, you know, you ask someone, you know, what they know about grief. And I think most people will say like, oh, well, there are stages to it or something. Right. Uh-huh. And I think as, as therapists, we would probably say, obviously, it's not a linear process. Absolutely. That was the key thing that I wanted to talk about um, with regard to these. And I actually, in my notes, I, instead of writing the five stages of grief, I wrote the five experiences of grief um, for that exact reason, right? Stages makes it seem like, well, stage one, then stage two, then stage three. As there's like steps you have to ascend. Yeah, absolutely. And grief is not experienced like that. Um, But so often in pop culture in life, people talk about it as though, oh, well, first it's denial, you know, then it's et cetera, et cetera. Um, but no, there it, it is more tie-dye than that. Yeah. I, I love, I love that uh, tie-dye description. And I think we are dealing with a lot of metaphor as a result of yeah. you know, the, the experience of grief being portrayed through a, uh, essentially a superhero show. Yes. Uh-huh. And and there are some ways that that works really well that metaphor, and then yes. there are some ways that it uh, maybe falls a little bit short. Um, so I'd love to talk to you, and we can go through a little bit of the sort of as you said the experiences of grief because I do think that there's value in um, sort of what are we seeing with Wanda Maximoff, and you know as we kind of understand her experience, especially as they show more and more of her you know, complex grief experience, Mm -hmm. you know, how can we understand how she's coping or not? Right. So, so just to kind of check through a couple of these. So obviously denial, I would say is the most commonly understood quote unquote first experience, right. Is the bad thing happens and then we deny that it happens or that it's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Like this can't be happening. Right. That's the sort of classic denial phrase, right. Is to literally, not be able to acknowledge the reality of the events. Yes. And with Wanda, obviously, not only does she not acknowledge it, she simply just totally pretends it's not happening and creates the world as though it is exactly how she wants it to be or as though it never changed. Yeah. And I guess that's the first question that wasn't totally clear throughout the series is, Mm Do you think she knows, or to what degree does she know that she has created this reality for herself? Or um, is it as a result of the grief experience, just sort of like exploded out from her as it sort of does in one episode? Uh And then she just kind of lives within that. Yeah. So my kind of feeling of it was um, when left to, like, I don't think she in intentionally created this world like I think when the grief exploded the world was created um out of that why is this happening question or like I don't want this to be happening question right um and then I think that she was living in that world because it allowed her to not have to deal with the grief and allowed her to live in the denial in a very real way um that unfortunately humans could never do Right. Um, but she gets to, and I think the moments where she's aware that it's happening are the moments when it's challenged, right? So when the little like drone helicopter thing comes in, or um when um the characters question her, um, or when Ultron is brought up, right? Things like that that remind her like this isn't real, those are the moments that pull her out of it, but then she just pushes those things away or gets rid of them. Yeah. Or even incorporates it into her reality. Right. And, and, and yeah. like shifts it, um, 
to sort of reflect the reality that she wants to live in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. So I, I, I'm curious, you know, we are both mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, when dealing with someone in denial, especially in a, a, a grief situation, you know, I think therapists have different approaches with this. Like how, how, how much, because obviously we see with Wanda, people confront her in very different ways. Yeah, absolutely. So we have uh, Monica Rambo, who is a member of SWORD and mm-hmm. uh, knows about Wanda's background. And she's very empathetic towards superheroes in general, having yeah. uh, grown up around... Um, Captain Marvel, right? Captain Marvel. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um she does and know so things. Because, yeah, yeah, and because of that empathy, you know, she wants to come in and and literally live inside the reality that Wanda has created uh-huh. to kind of reach her from that uh, perspective. And I feel like yeah. that that feels like a very therapist approach. Yeah. Um, and then you have obviously Hayward, the. Uh-huh pseudo villain where he's just like nope we're gonna break down this reality as quickly and violently as possible yeah and then we have uh, agatha harkness who originally is uh, a member of the town of westview and Mm -hmm. and just sort of incorporates herself into it and then over time i would say pretty aggressively confronts the reality and like wants to know like hey what's going on like why are you doing this how are you doing this yeah so having having those different portrayals of like how to confront this denial or how to confront the reality this person's creating yeah what what do you i guess which approach are you most interested in or, or or do you align with maybe the most um yeah. So as a therapist, obviously the answer is it depends, right? Yeah, um, of course, of course. But um, obviously um, Rambo's is the like one that jumps out the most and it's um, because she doesn't, okay, Agatha, before she like totally blows up, she's 100% in it and like, you know, yep, we're just going to pretend that this is exactly how things are going. And I don't know that that's helpful either because that's not total reality, right? Right. Um, Hayward kind of strikes me as like a suck it up and rub some dirt in it and move on kind of approach, um, which is very old school. Um, And then I think um, like Monica Rambo's approach is more kind of modern therapy, which is I'll sit in it with you. But when it comes time to question it, I'll question it a little bit. Um, I think it also really describes of how sometimes if you question things too soon or you push things too soon as a therapist, the um, person that you work with will push back very quickly, right? And um, in WandaVision, she literally pushed her through a wall <laughs> or multiple Yes, the, the fourth wall, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, and I loved a lot of that um, that metaphor of you know, we essentially see uh, Wanda not being ready to accept anyone else into that reality, right? Um, mm-hmm. Who are you and what are you doing here? I think is essentially, you know, the response that she gives Monica yeah. as soon as she recognizes like, oh, you're not actually supposed to be here, part of my reality that I'm creating. Yeah. Um, and you really see between Monica and uh, Jimmy Woo um, and, oh, shoot. And the yep, other, I, and Kat, Kat Dennings, Darcy yes. Lewis. Um, I was like, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yep. Yes, and, Darcy. and you can see that they all have this very empathetic view of her that they yeah. want to, you know, sort of take their time and let's try to help this person. Yeah. Um, and, and others, have, you know, have a very low tolerance for mm-hmm. sitting with her in that grief and helping yeah. her through it. And this sort of reminded me of how, you know, different family members can respond to people when they're experiencing, you know, let's say a, a grief response that they don't yeah. either agree with or understand. And it's just mm-hmm. fascinating how we kind of get this from a superhero show. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a very key difference with, um, you know, th- that trio um, versus like Hayward and his whole crew is those three know her and they know her story. Right. And I think that's such a key piece is we understand people's 
um, expression of their experience when we know the details of their experience. Um, and even if we don't know all the details, we know some of them, right? Like they knew that she was an Avenger and they had all spent time with the Avengers and they kind of understood the type of person that becomes an Avenger. Um, and therefore this new demonstration, they were like, this doesn't fit in with what we know of these people. Um, and so they gave her a little bit more leeway and a little bit more freedom, um, and forgiveness, I think. Yeah. And then, you know, dealing with, with Agatha, um, and it was interesting reading the interview with, uh, uh, with the head writer. Um, she says, this is a quote, um, she describes Agatha is, um, even though she's on the villainous end of the spectrum, she is yeah. actually the chief instigator of Wanda's healing. And I have to agree with that, but it's obviously the way that she does it is, um, I mean, instigator is like the perfect word. It's like, yeah. we're dealing with this right now, whether you want to or not. Yeah. What would you say is the point where that turned from just instigation into healing starting? Well, I guess that's, and that's why I will, I was really interested in that quote because I'm not sure healing happened as a result of Agatha's intervention, if that's what we want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because she literally walks her through all these most traumatic losses of her life. Uh-huh. And it's really, it's, it's, it's Agatha's selfishness. It's not like, Hey, I'm trying to help you. It's I want to understand where your powers came from. Yeah. So I'm putting you through this situation. Yeah. Um, like morbid and, curiosity. Yeah, absolutely. Which we and see then, in our lives too as humans. Absolutely. And yeah, so that's, so that's a great point, right? Because is there, is it possible? I, I hate to ask the question, but is it possible to, uh, for some healing to happen through that sort of reliving of some of these experiences? Um, because there are some therapeutic approaches that might mm-hmm. incorporate, um, I hate to say re-exposure, but that's yeah. sort of more what less what what Wanda experienced yeah. um, to sort of relive some of these experiences. And in that mm-hmm. episode, the um, the second to last episode, where you sort of see her go through all of these uh, memories, um, yeah. she literally embodies like she becomes in the memory like her childhood self or her young adult self. Um, and that's, I think that's a really evocative, Uh but then also um, watches herself too at the same time. Yes. Yes, exactly. Very intriguing. She like jumps in and out of it, which I think is a great, um, illustration of memory. For sure. And it it reminds me a little bit of almost, almost of EMDR, you know, now Mm -hmm. granted it was like forced upon Wanda to, for her to revisit those memories, but it's like, you know, uh, and for those of, listeners who don't know emdr um eye movement desensitization and reprocessing it's a weird sounding therapeutic approach um but um and i don't think i can uh really summarize it in yeah a basically really short you, sentence <laughs> yeah you like relive your traumatic experiences and then it's paired with some kind of like biological um Stimulus, reactions yeah. and you yeah. try to kind of un unpair those to release the trauma that your body feels. I am not qualified in EMDR, so I can't speak to that, but that's sure. my general understanding of it. Yeah. And, and it is, um, and I, I've been through like the initial training process. So I, I, you know, having, just having seen that you can see like, okay, for someone to an experience, especially in real life, obviously with EMDR, you're just sort of uh, visualizing these memories, yeah. you're sort of putting yourself back in a, a sensory, um, you know, position to yeah. more or less recall the memories. And then, as you said, to unpair them from the emotional content that those memories um, produced in you. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's fascinating, but you would never do forced EMDR um, <laughs> because not. of exactly what happens between uh, Wanda and Agatha, which is mm-hmm. that Wanda, you start to see, you know, the anger grief response of, Mm -hmm. you know, why are you doing this to me? Um, Why are you sort of not letting me have my own uh, grief response? Why are you um, kind of forcing all of this discomfort on me? Mm -hmm. So there is 
probably some version of healing in that in that in that confrontation but it's not oh. an ideal kind yeah yeah because sure. I, mean, I mean sometimes in life we are forced to face yes. things we aren't ready to face right so yes. like ideally we would all face things on our own time and heal on our own time but sometimes life just doesn't let that happen right um and in her case, it's because of a quote-unquote friend, right? It's a right. person in her life who's like, no, absolutely not. You're going to face it and you're going to face it now. Um, which just because it's not the ideal way of healing doesn't mean that healing can't come from it. And I think the quote from the um, the director or the creator that you mentioned, um, I think it does switch her onto the path of healing. Um I, like I said, I don't know if healing came from it, um, right. but she definitely, there is definitely a turn, you know, away from that denial, away from that anger as the central focus towards, oh shoot, this is really happening to me. And, and what does it mean? And kind of questioning her own experience. And I think that questioning your own experience is what leads to healing. Yeah. I love that. I think, um, and of course, obviously, we've we've left out another sort of central character in, um, in Wanda's healing, right? Who is Vision himself? Obviously, yeah. Wanda is trying to overcome the loss of Vision, but in creating this reality for herself, yeah. she's incorporated him into it, and yeah. he is a, in, in some odd ways, like an active participant in her grief process. Yeah, well, and. A thing that I was also thinking is, so obviously grief from death is is a very obvious grief, but grief comes in different forms. And For I sure. was thinking it's kind of like when you or someone breaks up with someone, but the relationship doesn't end or can't end and how that um, complicates the grief of the loss of the relationship. Um, and that's kind of what happens with her and vision is she can't grieve him because he's not gone um but also like in moments people are like yeah but he is gone and she'll also have like memories or flashbacks of him being dead um and she has to kind of try to face the grief in those moments but then also has created this reality where she doesn't have to yeah and i think that's that's actually a great opportunity for us to um sort of delve a little bit deeper into maybe what we're seeing mm -hmm. with Wanda. And you actually brought up um, a term that I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with. Um, could you talk a little bit about traumatic grief and how that differs? Yeah, absolutely. From sort of so, what regular um, people's uh, concept of grief is? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So traumatic grief is um, just a specific um, subset of grief. And it's a relatively new term, but basically it is when a natural grief response or bereavement um, is combined with trauma. Um, so it's also interesting that we brought up EMDR because that's used to treat trauma. Um, and basically what happens with it in terms of like symptomology is not only do you have the grief symptoms um, associated with for her case, like the death of a significant other, but there's also symptoms of PTSD um, included in that grief experience, which is um, basically it's um, recurrent intrusive memories and or flashbacks or dissociative states where the person believes that the event is recurring um, or de distressing preoccupation with the deceased, um, those kind of things. Um, and I think that absolutely shows up in WandaVision because um, she is very intrusively preoccupied with Vision and her life of Vision and what it could have been because obviously she creates it um, and makes it her whole life. But also there's a moment where there's a flashback to Vision's face um, with like a hole in it from when he died, I'm guessing in one of the Avengers. Avengers, uh, yes. <laughs> Avengers yeah. Infinity War. He gets his mind stone <laughs> ripped out of his forehead. Yes. Yeah. Very traumatic. Um, <laughs> it sounds like it. Um, and then she also has um, flashbacks to um, uh, Pietro's gunshots when she's interacting yes. with um, the 
maybe, maybe not Quicksilver character. Fake Pietro. Um, Pietro, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and those really show that, like, not only is she grieving, but she's grieving with trauma attached to it because of how traumatic that loss was. So Absolutely. loss of someone who is long-term sick or someone who um, is older or um, something like that doesn't generally come with that same kind of trauma because there's that expected quality to it. Yes. Um, whereas traumatic grief will op- often happen when there's an accident or um, an unexpected death or um, a death associated with a traumatic environment. So war, um, that's the only one I can think of right now, <laughs> but you know, like no, um, accidents. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Where the person is present as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah. those kind of things. And, and with, um, with Wanda, she not only has this traumatic experience of losing vision but she also lost her brother in a traumatic experience and she lost her parents in a traumatic experience so her trauma has just continually built on top of each other and I don't think she ever got through her grief Um, and I think that that journey actually shows up as a whole in this show as well yeah absolutely um and and so and Haley, I don't know if you know this. So in Avengers um, Infinity War, mm-hmm. uh, Vision actually dies twice. So oh, the first time uh, Wanda actually kills him herself to like save the world more or less uh-huh. to prevent the big yeah. bad guy from, you know, getting all the all the Infinity Stones. And then the bad guy is able to reverse time, put Vision back together, and then uh-huh. he kills Vision. So Wanda yeah. experiences this both twice in a very short time span Um, obviously a lot of helplessness and all these sorts of things that come in and right so she doesn't get to say goodbye she doesn't get to um go live in the house that vision had bought for them or at least she didn't get to save him yeah um and it's it's really you know you put all those things together and especially in that one episode where they really you know list through Wanda's various trauma and you really start to get it okay um this person has probably had this grief stored up inside of her for years and years and years compounded and Mm -hmm. and and in the episode where they show it it literally explodes out of her into a new reality yeah and what i thought was really cool about what this show did was um that journey of her grief each version of the show was associated with a different traumatic phase in her life so the dick van dyke show was um what she was watching when there was the explosion when her parents died um the brady bunch was um what she was watching right after or like right around when her brother died, when there was like the infinity stone experiments, the leave yes. it to beaver version um, was what she was watching when she first lived with vision. Um, and those are the different versions of her grief world that she has created, um, which I thought was a really cool artistic way to um, identify those moments in her life. Yeah, for sure. And and you also get an appreciation of how uh, the shows themselves sort of gradually incorporate uh, more drama into them, yeah. right? The first mm-hmm. one is Dick Van Dyke, and it's literally got like the laugh track and uh-huh. and it's and it's just sort of um, it's almost so light, like nothing real actually yeah. happens, like which is sort of what that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the the final one, which I think is based on. Is it Modern Family or I think it's Leave It to Beaver. Well, there was there was a nineties one though. Was it was it oh. Modern Family or um or was it two thousands, I guess? And it was there was a yeah. Malcolm in the middle. It was one of those where yeah. they're doing like the the talk to the camera. Yeah. Um and and that's when you start to see the sort of cracks of oh, she's actually recognizing that she's she's tired. She can't mm-hmm. keep things together. The reality yeah. that she's tried to build for herself is sort of mm-hmm. falling down around her and shifting back. And and that's when you see 
um, obviously that's when Agatha reveals herself. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, okay, so this person is finally kind of recognizing what's happened to her. Mm-hmm. And I think, and maybe this is sort of how we transition into the sort of big picture questions issues yeah. here, because what we haven't acknowledged yet is that Wanda was more or less, uh, I hate to say torturing, yeah. but like, uh, you know, there were victims of her reality distortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this whole town um, got sucked into the reality that she created to cope yeah. with her grief. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, um, the the bad guy is trying to take her out. You know, that's why some of these things are happening is because uh-huh. they're trying to not just stop Wanda, but also rescue this town from her. That's sort of under yeah. her spell. What a cool metaphor that I did not even pick up on, Ryan. That's so cool. Um, because as you talk about it, it's it shows how um, our experiences can affect those around us, right? Yes. Whether we intend them to or not, because I don't think she intends to at all. And when it's brought to her attention, she does not like that. Oh, she's kind of horrified. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Which I think shows her compassion, right? Which is she's willing to take on her own grief um, and have her, you know, kind of, you know what, I'm willing to take this hurt so that though, so that you all don't have to, um, which is a lovely thing that she did. But yeah, that's how our experiences without even realizing it can affect those around us. Yeah, absolutely. And at the same time, it, it creates a very complex uh, viewing experience, right? Yeah. Are we supposed to see Wanda as a sort of villain who's, uh, you know, unwittingly um, kidnapped a whole town? Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to, as Monica does, uh, empathize with her and and mm-hmm. and want to help her through this experience while also, obviously, wanting these people to be free from her yeah. influence? And it's it's fascinating because I think this is what framing serious issues around superheroes, it like yeah. puts us in this weird position mm-hmm. where we have Wanda, who is a at least usually like a, uh, a hero. She's Avenger, right? She's mm-hmm. an Avenger. So we, we want to root for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I don't remember the exact moment of the episode, but there's some allusion to her sort of being the bad guy or she sort of acknowledges like, maybe I'm not the good guy. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, when, one of the times that Monica is confronting her. Um, and I think I, I was, I appreciated that because I do think we, we need complex characters. Yeah. If, if all we're getting is superhero shows and movies, like they, they had better try to deal with this stuff in a, a complex responsible way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, but at the same time, I, I think I struggle with it because, and the, there's the one, and you sort of spoke to this as well, there's the one quote that Monica has where she's not explaining away, but sort of trying to, again, give this empathy mm-hmm. to Wanda. Um, and she essentially says something like, um, they'll never know what you gave up for them. Um, yeah. Talking mm-hmm. to Wanda, referring to... Um, the rest of the people of Westview, um, when she sort of finally breaks down the hex. Mm -hmm. And um, while that is true, it's also, it feels like it minimizes what she did a little bit. And I don't know how to wrestle with that. (laughs) Well, So that's the side of you that wants the hero to get justice, right? Is like you want the like the slow clap at the end which right we don't get that in life right exactly right yes you know there's this this i think there's this idea of karma right like put good out into the world and good will come back because we don't want to believe that if like you mean i might treat people really well and i might do wonderful things and i might never get that in return like Mm we as humans don't like that idea. And so we won't, as much as we complain about like, everything just like wraps up with a nice little bow at the end of the show. We're unhappy if it doesn't. (laughs) Right. Very true. 
Absolutely. We want the like slow clap at the end and we want the like, you know, everyone was realized that she didn't mean to do it. And I really like how the show was done because she's so complex and because she is neither the hero nor the villain. Right. Right. Like she's both, um, which I think we are in our lives. We are both heroes and villains in our own worlds. But also sort of needing that um, to not be black and white. Right. Yes. Um, Cause it can't be. Right. Yeah. Because I think, you know, we, we see this and the, um, the writer in the interview sort of alludes to at least her her view of the sort of end of the series, the finale. Mm-hmm. She, in her view, Wanda did get to acceptance. And I think you and I sort of disagree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, yes, you know, Wanda breaks down the hex and sort of has this uh, send-off experience with Vision yeah. that she probably wanted and needed. Um, mm-hmm. But, well, let me ask you, why why do you think we are not quite there to acceptance yet? What told you that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, so this one is the ultimate spoiler. Like, a lot of this has been spoiler, but this is the ultimate spoiler. Um, the very last, you know, after credit scene, um, she's conjuring up some kind of world, and you can hear the voices of her children. Um, so there's that idea of, like, oh, maybe she hasn't totally accepted that that didn't happen and move on right like maybe there's she's still trying to get that reality back yeah she's still living in it a little bit right because there's like two versions of her she's like outside all accepting and calm but inside the house she's still um creating this world which i think is very as i say it metaphorical right on the outside she looks like okay cool got my closure now i'm moving on and drinking coffee on my you know log cabin but on the inside she's you know scarlet witching it up <laughs> yes <laughs> and i guess and this is a, again the the complicated fact of like this show has to be part of the marvel cinematic universe it's got to yes. set up other shows and movies yeah because the other thing from this interview is that um jock says um and, and this is just my assumption based on what she says but um she says she loves the duality of it um, you know, the real Wanda sitting on her porch, making a cup of tea, doing her ruminating and reflecting, and then the sort of super Scarlet Witch in the back room who's astral projecting and functioning at a level that we don't understand yet. And that that is true, but yep. it's Which almost... Which I think is a beautiful metaphor for, like, emotions. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that, I guess what I'm what I'm wondering is if she didn't have control over that scene and maybe she wanted her acceptance to be like the hex disappears vision sort of disappears and that's that's wanda coming to acceptance which hey um it's definitely more acceptance that she had at any other point in the series um but i think you and i both see that there's a lot of work still here for her to do yeah and also i have a little bit of trouble with this idea of acceptance um because It's it's not like a final step and there's no turning back from Yeah. And also we treat acceptance as though it's this like Zen state of like Mm. happiness and comfort, which is not acceptance. Acceptance is it sucks and that's okay. Right. Like acceptance is not trying to, um, is not being happy with a hard situation. Right. What it is, is recognizing that you're struggling and it's hard and it's not, an enjoyable thing and allowing that space in your world. Um, So for me, the kind of vibe that I get from that final scene is that on the outside, she's saying that she's chill with it, but on the inside, she's literally not letting go. Yeah. Are you concerned about the isolation that we see? Um, You know, she's literally on a, in a cabin in the mountains with no one else in, in, in oh shouting distance. Um, that looked like an absolute dream. So sure. I was like so on board. <laughs> um, am I concerned? Um, yes, obviously, because relationships are where we as humans are naturally relating humans. So relationships are such a key part of healing and also thriving. 
Um, but we don't know what she's doing with that astral projecting, right? Like she might have found a world where she does have relationship, right? Um, which could lead us down this level of like, is interacting with humans on the internet real interaction <laughs> or no? Um, but sure. that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, am I worried about the isolation? Well, I wasn't until you brought it up. <laughs> okay. Well, cause that was the, one of the first things that jumped out to me. It's like, okay, great. You know, she's, um, <laughs> my wife called it her eat, pray, love moment. Um, oh my gosh. Totally. Which I love. Um, and she's like, yeah, now I'm just in the mountains and everything's fine. And, but for me, and, and, you know, having worked with people who have dealt with very serious grief and trauma, mm -hmm. I think the, you know, and I hate to say this, the silly cliches of like moving on and new realities and moving forward, mm -hmm. but it's, and it's not so much as any, as, as much any of those things as it is about, you know, what your connection and maybe it's to reality looks like now, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, who are the people in your life? Um, what are you doing? What are your new roles? Yeah. Um, because if all you're doing all day is sipping tea while you're astral projecting into ways to bring back all of these people or, or um, I don't know, I don't want to say that they're figments of her imagination, whatever they are, yeah. she's trying to get them back. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's still bargaining. And maybe that's why I was concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the same thing that concerns me, right? The like, um, the isolation, like her sitting in a log cabin, like I said, that looks like a dream. It's the what's going on inside the log cabin that I'm right. like, hmm, I'm a little bit nervous about that. And, and I think what it comes down to is if you are a person who loves being alone in nature, then no, I'm not concerned about the isolation. If you are alone in nature because you're trying to get away from something or hide from something or trying to pretend like something's not happening, then I'm concerned about it. So I think that's my answer. And I think she falls into the second category. Yeah, I'm totally on board. Right. If, if, but I think everything that we saw from from Wanda is that she is a person that very much values the relationships in her life. Yes. Um, she yes. loved that little apartment with her parents and her brother and watching yeah. old TV shows. You know, she loved, uh, I, I would hesitate. I mean, she probably, I don't know, loved, but she valued the relationship she had with her brother in their short time as Avengers together. Um, you know, obviously mm -hmm. uh, her envisions relationship was like, the one thing she clinged to after her mm -hmm. brother died. Yes. Um, so, and it's again, to your point, not that being alone on its own is bad, but we know through seeing Wanda's trauma that she is someone that gets a lot of value from her connections with other people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she and literally created imagine... a world around the relationships yeah, she lost. Exactly. Yeah. Right. She she created neighbors and she created her kids and mm -hmm. she created all of these layers of which to redefine her roles. I mean, she mm -hmm. made herself a mom. I think that really speaks yeah. to the the connection she's looking for. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess, you know, when, when those roles are lost, um, you know, Again, not that she has to be anyone, not that you have to have a role. You don't have to be defined by your relationships with other people, but, um, but, but in isolation, are. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like we, you ask people, you know, what do you want on your stoom, stoom tone? What do you want <laughs> on your tombstone? And yes. the things are mother, daughter, right? Yeah, um, not always. Classic things. Yeah. Yeah. Not always, but you know, friend. I think these our relational roles are for so many people and not for everyone, right? There are some people where social relationships are not as important. Um, but for many people, that is the important thing. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I guess my hope for Wanda would be however she moves forward that she um is able to build new relationships for herself in whatever way she wants to do that. There's nothing that says she has to go out and uh, find a new partner or, 
you know, or that she has to be a mom or that she has to do this or that. Mm-hmm. But whatever, whatever her whatever it looks like choices are that they serve her, that they serve those needs well. Um, yep. Yeah, because I guess that's that's the sort of that was my, I guess, takeaway is and especially as we relate it back to our reality is. Uh-huh. What Wanda does this sort of like. I've lost all these people. Now I have mm-hmm. to create a reality for myself. Sort of with or without them. Mm-hmm. I think is something, and I, I've certainly worked with people on like, okay, what do you want your reality to be? Yeah. What do you want your relationship, even like with this person that you've lost to be Yes. moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you still talk to them? Do you write to them? Would you pray to them? Mm-hmm. How do you, when you think of them and these feelings come up, what do you do with those feelings? That I think there's a lot of useful lessons we can take away in, in what Wanda did that maybe sort of could work for other people in a, in a interesting metaphor kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think um, the line that really stuck out to me, which it's not the line that people flew to Twitter to discuss, sure. um, but it's when Monica Rambo says to her, like, like, I get it. I also have grief, but she says, yeah, I can't control this pain and I don't want to anymore because mm. it's my truth. And I think that right there is that acceptance that I was talking about, which is the, she hasn't gotten rid of her relationship with her mom. You know, she's redefined right. it just like you were just speaking yes. to. She has said, this is now the way my life looks. This is now my truth. And I'm not letting that hold me back. I'm letting that build my story. Um, and I think that line there um, is that that epitome of what you were just describing of that um, redefining, right? Redefining yeah. what your truth is, redefining what your story is. Well, yeah. And I guess that's why it's interesting to think about, like, if Wanda had created the hex and created all of these things for her to experience and wasn't including real people in it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. would this be, uh, 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 I don't know, healthy is such a complex word, but like, would, would we be okay with this as a grief response? Oh my goodness. Um, this, this is actually something that I struggle with, um, a lot, which is if someone's own truth is not the truth, but it's not hurting anyone, Mm -hmm. does it matter? Do we need to change it? And I'm going to tell you right now, as someone who has a degree in this and works in it every day, I don't have an answer to that. I, I don't know. Right. Like I, if, if someone's truth and reality is not hurting anyone else or themselves. Um, Right. Of course. Like who are we to argue it? Um, To tell them otherwise. Right. Yeah. Right. I think some people would argue um, if you're living in your own reality, it is hurting your relationships um, Mm -hmm. or hurting your status in the world. But like, I think that would have to be on an individual level, but I don't, I don't know. Is it, if it works for her and doesn't hurt her or anyone else, sure. <laughs> well, right, but that's the interesting thing is that I don't know. Uh, if she just created the hex and there were no other living yeah. people in it, like they're not sending drones in. It would just mm-hmm. be like, okay, this is kind of weird. Let's like coordinate off so no one else accidentally goes into it. But whatever, it's a superhero going through grief. She's going to be fine eventually. Like it wouldn't be a thing that people would feel like they have to confront. But I think this is, again, to go back to like what happens in families is like, hey, the way you're dealing with this right now is making me uncomfortable yes. or uh-huh. is bothering me. Um, yeah. And I'm going to make this a problem for you, which is always yeah. so sad when you see it of, mm-hmm. you know, one person grieving one way and a another member of the family or another friend grieving in a very different way. Yeah. And that creating conflict is always so sad. Yeah. And what you could then um, argue or discuss is that then to which, you know, to what extent is their their own truth 
yeah. impacting their relationships negatively, right? Mm-hmm. So now it is hurting themselves. Right. Um, and if and if it's hurting yeah. themselves, uh, you know, the degree to which it's it's actually also hurting other people, right? People yes. who care about you, if they see mm-hmm. you hurting yourself, that yeah. then hurts them as well. And yeah, yeah. it's it's a lot of it, it, this opens up a lot of doors into the work that we do because yep you know, self-determination and if people are, are coping in a way that they are happy with, which Wanda surely was. She tried yes. to tell everybody from S.W.O.R.D. like, I'm just taking <laughs> care of myself. Everybody's fine in here, um, at least as far as Wanda knew. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just leave me alone. Yeah. And I think there's such a fine line. Like, I truly believe that each person emotes and grieves and has their own experiences on their own time and in their own ways. However, as we discussed earlier, like there are times when the way that you engage with that emotional experience affects those outside of you and, um, and the way that you act on it, um, can play a role in the world as well. And so then deciding kind of what's important to you, right? Like you can be sad and still smile at the woman at the grocery store, right? And that's not you being inauthentic. That's Mm -hmm. you saying in this situation, I am both sad and I don't want to have to talk to the lady at the grocery store about why I'm sad. So I'm going to smile, right? Yeah. So being able to hold both of those and that's you know, the, the, you know, in, in dialectic behavioral therapy, we talk about the middle yeah. path and sort of holding yeah. both sides of these emotional experiences. And yeah, that's what, um, I think that's what I was hoping to see is that, and I guess we sort of got it, but where Wanda could both be sad. And especially mm-hmm. when she realized, I think the extent to which she was hurting the people of Westview that mm-hmm. she can also, want to move forward which i think is why she ultimately did break down the hex and yeah try to let go of vision yeah i can be sad and not hurt others in the process and want to keep living right and want to keep doing other things either for myself or or others or whatever that you know forward movement looks like and she ends up being able to do both yeah so then we're left with what what we imagine will be next for Wanda, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Because, uh, side note, Vision is technically alive. White Vision. Is I know. Alive okay. So that was I was like, this Vision's is one thing memories. that we have not discussed, which is like, where's Vision? Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because it's, it's the like, yeah, the white version of him. Yes, and but he's yeah. been he was zapped with with other Vision's memories, so we don't. I don't know what yeah. that means. I don't know if. Um, but it's fascinating. And obviously that totally breaks this whole grief conversation because it's like, oh, but sometimes people can come back to life as they do all the time in superhero yeah. movies and things like yeah. this. Um, yeah. So then you just worry for, oh, well, is, is Wanda going to be, uh, you know, re-traumatized in one way or another again? And yeah. we have to assume that she will be, but we can, we can only hope how that will yeah. go. Well, and then there's, you know, you get into different forms of grief as well, which would be a whole other hour discussion. But yeah, there's also, (laughs) you know, grieving something that others don't think you should grieve, right? Like, oh, he's still alive. And it's like, but my version of him is gone, right? Yep. But yeah, and who, and the that, reality that she had for had planned out for herself, and that they had planned out for themselves, is obviously gone. Like even if this new vision yes. exists, like the house yes. in Westview is still not happening, and that's mm-hmm. like that was the moment of her grief, yeah. and she's still obviously going to continue to deal with that. Absolutely, and this whole experience has also now become a part of their truth, right? Yes. So that will also play a role in in their story, either independently or together moving forward, this traumatic grief experience. Yeah. 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 So like you said, we could do a whole nother hour on this and (laughs) and who knows, uh, maybe there will be a season two. It's been very hush hush, but um, you never predict anything with Disney. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So let's go, let's do a little review. Um, You know, uh, we and since we are both mental health professionals, we can both reference the uh, 
let's say, the accurateness of uh -huh. uh, the degree to which it sort of accurately represents uh, grief yeah. and a grief response. And we mm -hmm. can also do uh, just entertainment value. Totally. Um, uh, I will let you go first. As I was going to ask you, what do you first... think is the okay. accuracy of the mental health aspect? Yeah. So on a scale from one to five. So I struggle with this one. I'm usually mm -hmm. very confident in my ratings, but mm -hmm. because of some of my concerns about how, you know, superhero shows yes. tackle this kind of stuff. Yep. I agree. Um, I'm just going to, I feel like a three would be a cop out. So I'll give it like a 3.4. I like was going to say 3.5. <laughs> there's a lot of good here. And I, yeah. I, you know, if people want a good representation of grief and the complex nature of trauma, like this yeah. is pretty good. Yes. Um, but it's also problematic. And that's why I want, and I think we've kind of covered some of the reasons for that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 3.5 um, was what I was going to say. So 3.4 works for me um, because the mental health aspect of it, um, like the grief and all of that is beautifully metaphorically discussed. And I think that metaphorically is the piece that is why it doesn't get a higher score for me because we can't discount the fact that she pseudo time traveled and created a whole world out of her mind and brought her husband back to life <laughs> like we can't you know um so that metaphorical superhero version of it is what made it a lower number for me yeah so we're on the same page and i think yeah. you know entertainment wise i i have nothing but positive things to say i was very pessimistic going into the show i was like how is this even okay. gonna work is it gonna be uh, uh entertaining is it gonna be just goofy and weird and far out there uh -huh. and i was really looking forward to it every friday um and it's been you know one of the more entertaining things i've watched over the past year i have to say it's like top yeah. four or five things for sure incredible um for me, if I were doing like one to five, I would say sure. probably four um, because I was entertained by it, but also like there were the like gaps of information that I didn't have because of um, not having seen the millions of hours of Marvel stuff before it. Um, and also something that I struggle with with the Marvel movies is they always feel like they're setting up something else as well. So um, I always feel kind of like it didn't really start anywhere and it didn't really end anywhere. Um, right. It can't just be its own thing. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing that always like bugs me about these huge universes is I. Yes. I lose. I quite frankly lose a little bit of the entertainment factor of like this doesn't feel like a complete story. It feels like an investment. <laughs> well, right. And I guess, and, and, you know, this is the sort of last meta point here is that if this is the way that popular culture is going to have access to big picture mental health topics, uh -huh. That's frustrating for me because it's not always going to be perfectly representative, excuse me, it's not always going to be representative of real life and there's going to be yes. problems about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I also kind of have to take it where I can get it. Like if yeah. we're having a national conversation around grief because of a superhero show, I think that's a win. Yep. So it's but just, also, it's, yeah. <laughs> what is cool about that is because it's such an investment in all of these characters you get to know more of their story, right? So if we just watched this episode, her um, experience of grief around her brother wouldn't have made as much sense because, you know, we saw them, you know, fighting against the Avengers, right? And then she loses him and then she has to go through that whole thing, um, you know, and, and that's history. And if you and I as therapists know anything is like, history plays a role in how we experience our world now. Um, and so we get that in these like multi-piece, um, you know, movies and 
um, and epics, um, we get that history of those characters. We sure do. And so we, I'm sure, have a lot more to look forward to um, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I hope they still continue to tackle big topics. Obviously, not everything will, but... But uh, I'll take it if if this is where we can get it. I'll take it for now. We'll Agreed. we'll keep advocating for more, <laughs> especially with right, such well, podcasts. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, Haley, thank you so much for we'll call this our inaugural episode, even though we've already recorded one, uh, which <laughs> I, I I hope you guys check out. Um, thank you for joining me, and thank you for becoming a co-host here at Pop Psych One Hundred and One. Absolutely, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much, and everyone. You know, do the things, listen, rate, review, share with your friends. um, And thanks for joining us. 